are more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storden. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Hello, everyone. Julia and Jeremy here, your uh, your trusted guides from Sense of Beer Style and, and Beer Buddies. And we are excited to be taking you through the Beer Judge Certification Program 2021 guidelines, mostly one style at a time. And now, Jeremy, today we have entered the American Porter and Stout grouping of styles. And today's style cast will focus on American Porter. I could not be more excited. I, I've been looking forward to this one too. Out of the hundred plus styles, I think uh, eighty of them are my favorites, and so uh, this is one. Of, this is one of them. Yeah, thousand percent. And so, American <laughs> Porter, what is it? Well, it's an ale. It's malty. It's bitter. Um, can be hoppy. You know, it's a dark beer. Some low roasted notes, but more chocolate than roasty. Um, this is a style that Americans were inspired by the English porters. There's an earlier version of the American um, attempt at this pre-prohibition porters, which is not this style. American porter is a more modern style from the 1970s on. And basically, you know, that dark malt intensity can take you to many places, but it doesn't have to take you to high ethanol and ABV or alcohol by volume. And it doesn't have to take you to really rich, dense, you know, cloyingly sweet. It doesn't do that. There are such great classic examples of these. And once you um, go American Porter, you won't go back because it's a style that goes great with food and one that is also very sessionable. And so with that, let's just really lead right in, Jeremy, you're pouring one and please talk to us about what you're what you're noticing as you take us through ingredients. Yeah, this one, uh, uh, just a quick aside, if you ever see the term robust Porter, they're they're talking about American Porter. Uh, and, and I, I got that mixed up <clears throat> for the longest time. And, uh, but I just want to clear that up, uh, cause I see that on cans. It's a robust Porter. Well, what's that? It's an American Porter. So what we can expect out of this beer, if we were to homebrew it, or if we were to, uh, take the, uh, uh, the average of all the American Porters out there, what I expect to see is something along the lines of, you know, you've got your, uh, base malt, which is, uh, typically a pale base malt, like a two row, uh, something like that. Uh, if it's an American, then I would expect to be an American two row. doesn't have to be, but that that's where I would expect to go. I, I, I would place my, my money on the odds that more likely than not, it's going to be American for an American uh, porter. Uh, but we're going to see crystal malt because we want that, uh, we want that sweet, uh, darker flavor and we're going to see dark malts like black patent or chocolate because we want to see that color and just a little bit of that flavor come through but but they're going to use those uh dark grains very judiciously because it's not meant to be burnt it's not meant to be um you know uh, like black in flavor as well uh but when we when we start talking about the hops again common to have american hops the classic american hops the cascade chinooks all those but uh but it is okay if you see them come through with some UK hops. This beer came to us from England. And so a lot of the early craft brewers uh, really just paid homage and said, hey, we're going to keep this true to style, but we're going to kind of change it a little bit uh, for our palate. Uh, when it comes to the yeast, 
According to the guidelines, a U.S. yeast, uh, which has a more of a clean fermentation, or a U.K. yeast, a U.K. yeast that can have more esters, that can have a touch of diacetyl. Uh, these are things that you know that that's totally okay with this style. Uh, so this is what we expect to see within the ingredients. Let's talk about what the beer looks like. Yeah. And in appearance, uh, you're, if you're watching, you're seeing Jeremy hold it up, very rich looking, dark, inviting beer, definite color of foam. So you're going to see colors of kind of medium brown to very dark brown, but not black or opaque often. Um, and it can have some of the kind of like these highlights, the style guidelines talk about these ruby highlights. Um, it can approach black in color, but it's not as common in my view. Um, and you want it to be clear, meaning not hazy or cloudy. Um, that tan collar of foam can in, uh, elicit the um, assumption that unmalted barley might have been used as one of the core ingredients, but a definite tan collar of foam is very um, common with moderate to uh, you know strong good head retention or, or stable collar of foam, and you will see that in the glass. It's very pretty beer, um, not you know uh, black as night, uh, but dark brown is very common going towards going towards almost black. Yeah. Uh, and the nice thing too, is if you do hold this up to the light and you look right at the edge, you can see this beautiful, like garnet ruby red uh, color too, which kind of speaks to the, the, uh, fundamental color. But when you stack it up all together, everything kind of turns black. It's kind of fun to, to play with that. Um, but when it comes to the aroma, this, oh gosh, this thing is just such an amazing uh, beer. It is going to be malt forward uh, 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 when it comes to the aroma. So we're going to get this medium low to medium high, kind of a dark malt um, character. Uh, it's grainy. It's bready. We're going to get notes of coffee. We're going to get chocolate, toffee, caramel. Um, uh, the other thing about this too is you can have a little bit of... Uh, what we would call uh, uh, roasted uh, uh, aroma. Uh, if I'm feeling fancy, I might call that a, a low acrid aroma. If I'm feeling less fancy, I might call that a low burnt uh, uh, aroma as well. But a little bit of that can sneak in there just because we're using those dark grains to, to bring this in. One of the other ways that I would describe this aroma is imagine if you had a, a, a cola uh, soda with and added some uh, toasted cashews and a little bit of uh, some milk duds or something like that into the mix. And that kind of takes me about to where this beer smells. Uh, when we get to the hops, if we're using American hops, then it's going to be resiny and foresty and, and citrusy uh, with different uh, types of citrus, typically uh, grapefruit. If they used uh, uh, British hops, then it's going to be a little bit more earthy. Maybe there's some tea, maybe there's some stone kind of uh, aromas in there. Uh, as far as the esters go, we can have no esters or we can have a, a moderate ester uh, profile here. And, and that just really comes through in like a fruit flavor. Um, uh, but I did mention it, it could be slightly uh, burnt or roasted or acrid, but it should never be sharp. It should never be really acrid. It should never be harsh. It should never be uh, undesirable. That That's where the, the brewer had too heavy of a hand on those roasted grains, but um, it should be just an enjoyable, enjoyable aroma. Uh, how does that translate into the flavor? 
it all carries over into the flavor. There's there's nothing of the ranges or or what you just suggested in aroma that wouldn't also apply in the flavor. But yet you're going to perceive an additional array of things because you're tasting it, not just smelling it. Um, and I do like the moderate fruity esters as optional. That's yeah. the same in flavor. Um, and not just a shouldn't be acrid, but it shouldn't be acidic, right? It, it shouldn't yeah. have that. Like sometimes roasted malts that are roasted, not kilned, they're they're exposed to a higher temperature above 400 degrees Fahrenheit as opposed to less than that, which would be more kilned, can give you like a acidic acrid bite. And you should not be getting that. But you are going to get, you know, some of those chocolates. Um, I think of chocolate pudding as a great descriptor of a lot of American porters that I get. Not mm -hmm. all the way to Tootsie Roll and whatnot, but chocolate pudding, right? That's the lane that you want to travel in. You can get a little roasted or lightly burnt character. The style like guidelines call for that. Um, and some sweet caramel, but you don't want it kind of uh, overly roasted, right? And then medium to high bitterness, just say it's an American porter. So those Americans love to work with hops and make things medium to high in that bitterness, which really does support some of the residual sugar in this beer and also help dry things out. Um, and then, you know, the hop flavors, right? We don't just get aroma from hops and bitterness from hops. We can get hop flavor. So low to high, that's a terrible range of spectrum. Ain't going to help you, but that's the brewer's choice in this style. Low to high um, hop notes that can be American hops of resiny, earthy, uh, maybe the English hops that they used or new world hops, um, can, can also be used and floral hop aroma. So it's, it's anybody's guess on the amount of hop flavor in this style with that low to high, but the, but the malt, you should be getting that kind of chocolate pudding lightly burnt is okay. And, and caramel, and then balanced with some bitterness that helps dry it out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when we start talking about uh, mouthfeel, uh, this beer, <clears throat> so according to guidelines, we're going to call that a medium to medium full body. I've had a few of these that have been kind of a medium light body, and it did not take me out of my enjoyment of it. Uh, but this really ought to have a little bit of oomph behind it, a little bit of gumption. Um, Behind that, uh, there's also a medium light to medium high carbonation. There's quite a range there, uh, and it really depends on your style. If you want to have this cast style, then it's going to have a lower carbonation for sure. Uh, a little bit of uh, alcohol warmth can come through in this too. If you have a stronger version, obviously, if it's if it's a lower alcohol version, then maybe not. One of the aspects about this, when you use dark grains, when you use just uh, even a little bit of dark grains, like we mentioned, black patent or chocolate, uh, you are going to uh, get a certain amount of astringency. Sometimes you have to pay very, very close attention to uh, to the beer and how it finishes to really notice that. But some of these beers, they, they ought to have just a touch of astringency. Uh, they don't have to have them, but it's kind of a nice thing that really adds to the ability to... Uh, to uh, taste this with food and, and having that astringency just kind of leads to uh, some opportunities there. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a minute. Uh, so that's mouthfeel. How about a style comparison? Style comparison's fun and straightforward, right? Again, anything that's been inspired by a different style, go to that. And so this is more bitter, just think American, more bitter and sometimes stronger uh, with more of those dark roasted malt character um, than an English porter. 
right? Or the pre-prohibition porter, which I know we didn't talk anything of the style guidelines for that. So look that up. Don't want to kind of get too distracted there. But the English porters is what inspired this American porter for sure. And so, like I said, more bitter and often stronger. Um, and then less strong and assertive than American stout. So that rung on the ladder is exactly what we've just shared. English porter, American porter, American stout going higher up the rung. This is right in the middle of those three. So pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about uh, some uh, commercial examples. Uh, so I'm going to grab my bottle real quick. Some of the uh, ones that you can expect, if if you see American Brown, then you can grab it and, and see how it compares. Some of the classics would be the Smutty Nose Robust Porter. Again, there's that name, Robust Porter, a.k.a. American Porter. Uh, Sierra Nevada makes a fantastic porter. Uh, the Great Lakes Edmund Fitzgerald, uh, the, uh, Bell's Brewing makes a, a great porter. Anchor um, has a porter in this in this lineup as well. But I have to give uh, a little bit of a shout out. I lived in uh, Central Oregon for about 20 years in Deschutes country. And so I have to pay a little homage to uh, Deschutes Black Butte Porter. This was either one of the first or the first American Porter that really got out into the world and helped change our early craft brew loving palates from light beer is best, light beer with a slight color and flavor is better. And the next thing you know, what's this dark stuff? Um, there were uh, the story goes, uh, there were a lot of people intimidated by dark beer because this was early on. Uh, light, fizzy yellow beer was the norm. Uh, and Deschutes helped uh educate american palates that dark beer is lovely is wonderful and uh and it was this beer that really helped change that and now here we are uh what uh 30 some odd years later and and now this is now, still now, doing this, it day in and day yeah. out yeah they classic, still have this classic does classic style so well American yeah. pales, porter stouts, they oh. are often listed in the style guidelines as calibration examples. And then they go to the wild side too. Amazing barrel-aged example beers. Yeah, I I've I've rarely been disappointed. I think rarely meaning like one time <laughs> out of the billions of beers I've had there. Uh so th these are the commercial examples. Uh enough uh tripping over myself to express my love for Deschutes, but they are mm -hmm. a solid brewery. Um so that's let's talk about the vital stats. Yes. And so Jeremy keeps reinforcing the robust porter is synonymous with American porter. So maybe that's a good place to ground the original gravity. Now we're stepping up from, you know, our American pails and, and amber beers. So 1050 to 1070 original gravity and then final gravity, which is definitely showcasing some residual sugar. Yet those roasted malts help dry it out as well as the bitterness. Final gravity of 1012 to 1018 or final gravity um, for Play-Doh, give or take two or four. And that's a lot of residual sugar if you're getting up to that 1018 range. But um, you want to recognize that balance can also still be there. It's not supposed to be cloyingly sweet. And then alcohol by volume, 4.8 to 6.5, very reasonably pri uh, uh, reasonably uh, ethanol-influenced beer. That's sessionable level to me. Um, and that alcohol by weight is about 4 5.2%. Um, and then international bitterness units, just think they double. 25 bitterness units is where it starts. To me, that's way more than discernible but not dominant. But as soon as you get to 50 bitterness units, it's very prominent. So you go 
for a robust American porter starting at 25 bitterness units, double it to 50 bitterness units is the range for IBUs. And then SRMs is 22 to 40. So I did say it could go all the way to black, but not as um, as I would want to totally see it be black. SRM or standard reference method color, the top end is 40. So that's as dark as you can get. And then European Brewing Convention is 60 plus. Um, so yeah, you're going to see a range 22 to 40 is a big range of like, you know, medium brown all the way to black. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to see that you can have a porter that is a light brown, and that's totally okay. Uh, mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, the glassware in the temp. Now, uh, because we're talking about American beers, it is perfectly fine and reasonably standard to get it in a shaker pint. But if you've been listening to these style casts, um, you've heard both uh, myself and uh, Julia kind of share that that is not our go-to move. Shaker pint is perfectly fine. It's expected. But it, given uh, given a choice, I'd likely go with the no-nick pint. Um, if you're watching, you can see the uh, the beer in the glass. If you're listening, it's very much like a it's a bigger shaker pint with a bulge around the upper third of the rim. That really helps uh, uh, that foam collect and and uh, and stick around for a while. We want that foam because that's what releases the volatiles that helps us smell the beer. If we smell the beer, then we truly taste and enjoy the beer. If we can't smell it, it's like walking into an Italian restaurant and you can't smell a thing. It's like, oh, there's something wrong. Uh, so this is where the the I I would prefer I would prefer a no nook pint given the choice. But you know, shaker pint is what it is. When we talk about temperature for this beer, uh, you know, if a refrigerator temp or a tap a cold box temp is right around 38 degrees. This is too cold for this beer. This is not a bottom of the cooler type of beer. This is this beer ought to be, I, I'm just going to, right around 45 degrees, right in the middle of 40 to 50 degrees or uh, right in between like four and 10 degrees Celsius. I'd stick this at right around seven or eight. I want this to be chilled, uh, slightly cooler than room temp, but it needs to be warmer to open up and really express all the flavors it has to share with us. Uh, that, that's, that's where I'd go with this. What about some pairings? So Porter style, no matter the year and, and people I think tend to have an emotional aversion to darker beers in warmer months. I would say, don't be shy. Mm -hmm. Again, what did we say the alcohol by volume was? 4.8% to 6.5. Yeah. You're fine in sessionability. This is a beer that elicits and demands pairing, right? So mm -hmm. you could go the typical barbecues and you get those charred notes and, and Maillard reactions and advanced, um, uh, you know, heated synergies. Uh, but Jeremy will love this one. Chicken mole enchiladas, right? You've got yes. that chocolate sauce, right? Mole oh sauce is so great. And then enchiladas have a little tinge of spice if you're doing it right. And I think that the residual sugar, that 1012 to 1018 final gravity, will stand up to some of that. I often say sweet calms heat. Um, so I would say try it with chicken mole enchiladas. And then I love this one we have on craftbeer.com. Blondie butterscotch brownies right? Can you see that? You could put this just with regular brownies, total cheat, total no brainer, like do it. But blondie brownies are not as uh, dark and chocolatey. Um, and you've got that essence of butterscotch. Just think Porter and all the descriptions of flavors that we talked about, a little bit of toast, a little bit of caramel and chocolate, and then put butterscotch with that. That's what I'm talking about. That's why you pair beer and food.
Yeah. And, and I think you're on, uh, from my experience, you're on the right track with all that stuff. I, I've had this beer with a chocolate and cocoa uh, uh, rubbed steak. I've had this with barbacoa tacos. Barbacoa is that meat that for, for uh, just uh, all intent and purpose, it, it's slow roasted in the ground with leaves and it just has an amazing flavor and smoke. This is great with that uh, for dessert, you know, cheesecake, creme brulee, um, maybe with some tropical fruits would be fun, but this beer it absolutely blows my mind every single time when I have it with a clam chowder. This is phenomenal. I love that. Chowder. Um, and, and I, and, and I also, one of my favorite little snack foods are Cheez-Its. This is incredible with Cheez-Its. It has almost like a little bit of like an H cheddar sourdough flavor to the Cheez-Its. This is incredible with that. For our international audience who might not know or, um, fondly have purchased Cheez-Its, they are a boxed mass produced, uh, cheesy cracker that you find in most convenience or supermarkets in the States. And I'm thoroughly addicted. So, uh, if Cheez-Its would like to come and sponsor us, I'm, I'm all for that. I have to convince my partner, but, uh, that's a different story. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this, this is the, the beer that has just been rocking our worlds for, uh, decades and decades. And, and, uh, it really, I, I'm glad it hasn't faded into the background completely. It's still present. It's just a beer we need to enjoy more of year round, not just in the wintertime thousand percent so enjoy your robust american porter journey um and thank you so much for listening cheers thank you for listening to a sense of beer style the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage with advanced cicerones me julia and me jeremy tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them we encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.